pray that as you have arrived, that we would see you, we would welcome you, that your peace would reign over us, in us, through us, and that you would make us people who work for peace right here in this world, that your will would be done, your kingdom would come as you intend. And we ask us in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all who agree, say, amen. amen. Our scripture lesson today is some of the most ancient scripture that we have. Uh, it is the first priestly blessing that we know of. Uh, it goes all the way back to Aaron and Moses, um, some 1,300 years before Christ, uh, at least. And so um, this is the blessing that you may have learned at UMYF, if you're old enough to remember United Methodist Youth Fellowship. Uh, or maybe you've heard me pray this over your child on the first day of their life. Uh, but this is the blessing that comes from God for all of God's people, and let's share in it together. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me, with you, with each of us. Let there be peace right here, right now, on the earth. The peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers and sisters, all are we. If you can help me out, JP. Let me walk with my brothers and sisters in perfect harmony. Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. Let this be the moment now, right now, right here in this place. With every step that I take, that you take, that we take together, let this be our solemn vow. To take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me, with you, with us, in this place, in your home, in your life. Friends, Christians around the world this week focus on peace on this second Sunday of Advent. So I invite you to take out your sermon notes and let's together invite God to bring peace on earth and let it begin with each of us, each of us here in this place. Well, first of all, I don't know if you've ever had a friend, um, when things are kind of off or you know they're having a hard time, you say, how you doing? And what do they say back to you? It's all good. And you know what that means. It means it's not all good. It means there's something going on, but you're doing your best to be good anyway. Isn't that true? So the first thing that peace is not is that it's not denial. Will you say that with me? It is not denial. right? We're, we're not pretending that all is well with the world when it is not. My name is Mark Foster, by the way. I'm the senior founding pastor here, and I had knee surgery a month ago. All is not well with me. <laughs> you just came to see if I would crash and burn. I know. <laughs> I might, but I might not. So um, I'm going to do the best I can today. You all do the best you can today. Uh, but the first thing is we've got we to get honest about who we are and how we're doing, what's going on in our lives. That's the only way God helps us. No pretending. No pretending. 
And, and the prophet Jeremiah, he would say it like this. From the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. Man, that seems, you know, contemporary. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly saying, read it with me, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Jeremiah says, no, 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 no. We're, we're not, we're not going to talk about this uh, in ways that aren't true. Yes, we're searching for peace, but there are things that are still broken in this world. So, but, so here's the thing. If, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he comes in the middle of what I would consider one of the darkest times in all of human history, then peace cannot be the absence of conflict. Amen? Does it make sense? All right, so we, we're looking for peace in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our conflict. And, and so if you come to um, the good news according to Luke, which is my, my favorite. If you're going to read the Christmas story, I recommend Luke. It's a lot nicer than Matthew. Um, it, it reads like this. And she, meaning Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, some of the lowliest of lowest workers. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, say it with me, terrified, terrified. I mean, I guess so. I mean, they hadn't seen anything like that. These are the, this is the host of army angels, right? I mean, this is a big deal. And the, so the angel says to them what they always say, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you what kind of news? Good news of great joy for who? Now, Andy Stanley would say this. He says, you know, a lot of people question whether Christianity is true. And, and the thing is, um, no author in their right mind in this context would have said this this way. And he's right about that. Because if you're a tribal people and you're at war with other people, if you're subjected people, uh, as the Jews were to Rome, no one who's writing a story is going to say that this is for all people. Make sense? You would say it's for us, us over and against them. One of the ways we know that the, the good news of Jesus is true is the way it's written, because it's written for everyone. Uh, read it with me again. Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Wow. The world had never known anything like this before. And to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is the Messiah, the Lord, the long-awaited one? This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. That doesn't sound very peaceful. That's an animal trough, friends. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, there's that word again. Say it with me. Peace among those whom he favors. So in the very beginning of Christ's life, we find this peace in the midst of a manger. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of a dark night outside of town. So this peace that God offers then and now and to you today, it offers well-being in the midst of struggle. God's peace, read it with me, offers well-being in the midst of struggle. I'd like for you to take a moment and think about what you struggle with. Invite God there. That's what all this is about. It's about Emmanuel coming to you right where you are. Not where you wish you were. Not where you used to be. But right here, right now. Let there be peace on earth with you. In your home. And let it begin now with you. In the middle. Right in the middle of your struggle. Now, one of the things that um, I love and hate all at the same time 
are memes. Anybody else love and hate memes? Do y'all know what memes are? Um, and one of, one of the things that um, I've seen for a long time, used to be like on bumper stickers or around you know, Christian parties or whatever, they would say this, many of you all know this, um, they would say, no Jesus, no peace. Just read that with me. No Jesus, no peace. Is that true? Well, kinda. Kinda. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met know Jesus, and they don't have any peace because they refuse to follow him. They know him. And he says, I want you to do this. And they say, no. And they're miserable. They have no peace in their life. So we have to be really careful with these memes. If your entire faith is shrunk down uh, to a meme, I I think you've got some problems. I I just do. I think we need to be deeper than that. Um, There's another part that says, no, no, Jesus, no peace. And there's a whole other piece we could do a whole sermon on about that too. Uh, Because certainly we're all going to come face to face with Jesus. But that doesn't mean uh, that Jesus doesn't know everyone's address. And I've known some people that have had some really incredible peace in their life. Uh, they didn't know Jesus, but they knew his dad. And um, I think Jesus and his, and his dad talked. And they had some pretty powerful uh, time in their life. But um, anyway, don't write me notes and tell me I'm a heretic. We can talk about it privately offline. We'll get there. Okay? I believe in Jesus. That's why I do what I do. Okay? But we have to be careful with these platitudes because knowing Jesus and knowing peace only works if you trust him. And you obey him. When I was a little boy, we had a red hymnal. And we would sing, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Other Christians have said, well, just say a prayer and I'll be fine. That's not, no. No. Trust and obey. If you want to be happy, if you want some peace in your life. The other thing that I've found is that if you really want peace, you got to have people. you got to have your people. You need a community. David Brooks, in his work that I've talked about before, Second Mountain, he says this, community is connection based on mutual affection. Now, this is an important distinction that he makes because not every church, not every group that you're part of is community. Some will tempt you with tribalism, and tribalism is actually the opposite of community. Tribalism is connection based on mutual hatred. We'll have none of that around here. We're a community. We're not tribe. And it's important that we make the distinction. Because there's no peace in tribe, right? If you've ever been a part of a tribe, right? Maybe a football team is like a tribe. You, you, you hate the other, the other people, or at least for the 90 minutes or whatever it is. Maybe you've been a, a group where, where you've really been focused on, on some other folks that aren't doing what you think is right. Have you ever had any peace in that season of your life? A- ask grandma how, how much peace she has when the grandkids aren't doing what she says to do. Right? Other control is a fantasy, and it will wreck your peace. We're about community here, friends. Community is based on common humanity, tribalism on common foe. So make sure that whoever you're running with is a part of community, not a part of tribe. Some people use those interchangeably, but they're not the same. So be really careful with that. So what does the Bible tell us about peace? Well, we start with that priestly blessing in number six. And it says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. Now, blessing in the Old Testament was to be well in every way, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. It also in- included a financial peace. And they really did believe that people who were doing well were blessed by God. Um, Jesus corrects some of that uh, in his teaching. Um, certainly, we see that with the rich young ruler. He goes away sorrowful uh, instead of blessed. Um, but the Lord also is to make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. Uh, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, which is to always have his face towards you. 
and give you peace. This is where peace comes from. I love um, the way this is written because so many people have this odd, judgmental, scary view of God, and, and this is the opposite of that. It is God looking at his kids, and he just can't take his eyes off of us in the same way that you look at your little ones when they're doing something that they enjoy. I wonder sometimes as I live my life if, if Jesus isn't calling some angels around or the saints around and be like, hey, hey, watch this. You're going to like this. Mark's going to go do something stupid. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> but he's having a good time at it. You know, just, you know, just watch. He's enjoying himself. And I wonder if that's not how it is like we are with our kids. You know, I mean, you watch your kids. You know they're about to do something really silly and funny. And so you're like, hey, come here, come here, come here. Watch, watch, watch. That's how it is with God. He's watching you because he loves you. You can't take his eyes off you. You see, God is paying attention. He's always paying attention, and that's good for us. And that's why you can have peace in the midst. Peace in the midst. I, uh, my grandfather died when I was really young. Um, but one of the things I loved about my granddad, uh, my dad's side, was whenever I was playing with the bigger cousins, um, he was always watching and right before I ever took it really bad, like on the head or thrown in the rose bushes, uh, grandfather would kind of intervene and be like, hey, come here, Mark. And he would save me from the older cousins. And that's how it is with God. He's always watching. Uh, and even when it seems perilous, uh, sometimes, and you, you've had this in your life if you've walked with the Lord long at all, uh, every once in a while he just kind of lifts you up and gets you out of a hard spot. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus promises something I think is even greater. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given us. When Jesus ascends, he promises the advocate, the counselor, the one that comes alongside us. And so you're not alone, friends. As you do this journey, invite the Holy Spirit to guide you and to help you. Jesus says this in John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything you need to know. And remind you of all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace. He's very particular about what kind of peace it is. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. Friends, when I was having a very difficult time uh, with some things that the Lord was doing that I did not understand, the loss of some children that uh, I loved very much, I memorized that scripture. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. Mark, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. I would encourage you to pray that prayer, to memorize that scripture and have it with you in your back pocket. For whenever the Lord is doing something you can't yet understand, this is a scripture you can hold on to. My peace, Jesus' peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And friends, make no mistake, it's not as the world gives. It's not. It's different. It's not the same. It's better. It's eternal. It can't be taken from you. And uh, Paul follows up on this, actually, when he writes to the early church. He's teaching them how to be church uh, in Philippi. Or uh, Greek actually doesn't have any long eyes, so it's really Philippi. It just sounds weird. Um, so anyway, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your, what's the word there? Now that is a word that is underrated in our culture. Gentleness. Dallas Willard once asked me, uh, as he asked our class, he said, how, 
How mean does, the, does God have to be to get his way? You know, in our world, we think sometimes we have to be harsh or mean to get people in line. It's not how Jesus did it. It's just not. It's not how the Lord does it. And Paul writes, it's our gentleness that's supposed to be known to everyone, not our hardness. For the Lord is near because his face is upon us. We don't have to worry. He says, actually, don't worry about anything, but in everything, make your request. And thanksgiving by supplication, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then, by the way, so much of the Bible is if then. This is one of those times, right? So if you're not worried about anything, and by everything you, you do this by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Then, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's what follows. So this is what you need to know. That if you want peace in your life, praise God. Praise God. Really, do it. Rejoice always in all things. You want to have a better day? Praise Him. And be gentle. You know, it's amazing to me how gentle people are not often in a fight. It's hard to fight with somebody that doesn't fight with you back. It's no fun. It just, it just doesn't work. Somebody's hard to you, you're gentle back. And you pray about that. You ask God about that. And then you give thanks to God. These are the ways to peace. And if you don't have peace in your life, these are great places to check. Well, you know, I haven't been very peaceful. Well, how's your praise going? How's your gentleness going? How's your prayer going? How thankful have you been? So I want to invite you uh, to really consider how to live a life of peace. Um, I'm just trying to be really practical as you go in the holidays. Um, I'm in a different season of life. My boys are um, now out of high school and uh, almost out of college. And so I remember the days of sort of dreading uh, the holidays. And we would, uh, we would do sermon series like Surviving Christmas and uh, trying to hit all the other you know, families. And particularly for split families, I mean, it can just be a nightmare trying to get to multiple families and little kids and car seats. And whew, I remember those days. I'm not going back. Um, but I also want you to know that though there's seasons to that. It comes and goes, and it's not always like that. And so whatever season you find yourself in, I want to remind you that peace is possible right where you are, right where you are, uh, personally, uh, communally, as a church and other communities that you're part of, and also globally. Uh, we've got work to do there. So let's talk about this personally for a second. First of all, and this is a meme, by the way, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Amen? No, really. Amen? <laughs> you don't. You don't. There will always be people in your life that say stupid stuff. They just will. And you can say to yourself, that was stupid. But you don't have to say it out loud. You can just, as Mary did, hold these things in your heart. Right? That's not what it meant there. But, um, you know, people, people are just going to, they're just going to do that. Um, and it's also true that there are some people that just aren't happy unless they're fighting. That's just their family system. That's how they were valued, and that's what they know. And, but you can let that pass from you. You don't, have to, you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Now, Paul was an arguer. He fell trapped to this quite often. So in Romans, actually, he's preaching to himself, I think. He, he says this to the early church in Rome. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. We're all tempted to do that. He says, don't do it. Don't fall for that. But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible so far, read this part with me, as it depends on you, 
Friends, it doesn't always depend on you. There's some stuff that's just going to come your way that you can't get around. But that should be pretty rare. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I mean, really, you can do that. Live peaceably with all as far as it depends on you, on us. So personally, as things come by your way, you just don't have to be a person who argues. And you sure as heaven do not have to be a pot stirrer. And if you know a pot stirrer, run. Stay away from them. They will ruin your day. They'll ruin your family gathering. They'll ruin your party. They'll ruin your life. Absolutely stay away from them. Pray for them. Bless them. Help them. But do not, do not live and hang out with a pot stirrer because they're going to bring that argument to you daily. You just have to say, I mean, there, the scripture is full of the problems of gossip and divisiveness and party spirit. So as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on us, as far as it depends on you and your family, we are to be people of peace, regardless of who else might be around. Because, and I didn't make this up, but it is true, it is never wrong to do the right thing. Paul writes it as the noble thing. But you can always do the next right thing, because it's about your character and about Christ living in you. Right? That's what we know about the scripture, that Christ lives in you, and you live in Christ, and Christ is hidden in God. And so we live according to him. So Paul, again, to the early church in Rome, he says, no, 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 no. Even if your enemies are hungry, what do you do? You feed them. And if they are thirsty, what do you do? You give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but read it with me. Overcome evil with good. Is that easy to do? No, that's super hard to do. But it might just save your bacon. If you read the Bible in other parts, it's going to say things like those who live by the sword perish by the sword. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Your gentleness is to be known by everyone. And when evil comes your way, you either let it pass or you bless them. And if your enemies are bad to you, you feed them. And if they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. Because the only way the life of this world is transformed is by people paying back hate with love. It's the only way the world changes. So to the people in Colossae, Paul writes, set your mind on things above. Because you're never going to get that done looking on the things of earth. You're just not. You look on things of earth, you're going to get panicked and anxiety. So, so Paul says this, again, to a different early church that he had started. So if you have been raised with Christ, and you have, seek the things that are where? Right, because that's where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are where? Above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died, right? When we give our life to Christ, our life is over. You, knew, you do know that, right? When you give life, your life to God, your life ends, and a new life begins with Jesus living inside of you. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what he says. So many of the things that are true for you personally are also true for us as a community. And, and here's the thing. People tell me they want peace, but they won't forgive. And peace and unforgiveness cannot coexist. So if you feel like you're doing your dead level best, but you don't have any peace in your life, I would invite you to do something very hard. And that is to ask God to reveal to you if there is any unforgiveness in your soul anywhere. And ask him to help you root it out, to be brave, to get past it, to let it go, to untie yourself from that pain. And, look, and have some peace in your life. Because it, it, it just doesn't work for you to ask God for peace when you won't forgive another one of his kids. 
I mean, it really is like going to your mom and dad uh, when you've been beating on your sister or your brother. And you're like, hey, do something really awesome and peaceful for me while you're punching out your, your, your sibling. And God's like, no. You, you got to stop that if you want peace in your life. Because that's, that's just going to breed more chaos. You, at some point, you have to stop and forgive. And this is where I find a lot of people get stuck. Because a lot of bad stuff happens to a lot of people. Actually, bad stuff happens to all people. But here's the truth of it. And it's the truth that sets you free. And that is this, that peace and forgiveness go together. They go together. And until you forgive, you're not going to have real peace in your life. They, they just go together. And here's the good news. And, and here's the thing. You think, well, you, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know what's happened to me. That is true. I do not. But I do know what happened to the one we say we follow. It was on a cross very much like the one we have behind us. And as he hung there, bleeding and dying, he had two thieves on either side of him. And one asked to be forgiven, and he said, yeah. He says, actually, you'll be with me in paradise today. And then he says something that the world still doesn't understand and can't even get our minds around. He says, from the cross, Father, what's the word? Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And there's peace that comes to earth. At Christmas and at the cross and at the resurrection, peace because of Christ. And that power is available to you. You can do it. Because Christ can do it in and through you. So Paul continues in the early church. He says this, bear with one another. Really, you can. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive them. Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Oh, there it is. Why do we forgive? Because Christ first forgave us. We have the power to do that now. It's possible. So you also must forgive. This is not an optional piece, friends, if you want peace in your life. It's not optional. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. Again, community, not tribe. And be thankful. Be thankful, because God is with us. So, this is a lot of fun for me. Be thankful, because thankful people are peaceful people. Amen? Amen. Have you ever been with somebody who just thanked you for your presence in their life? They thanked you for the wisdom you've given them in their life. They thanked you uh, for the way that they've been. And you think, oh, I just hate those people. No. No, it's, it's great. It brings peace and joy, and, and it's just it's wonderful. So communally, we want to be people. Uh, one of the things that, that I try to do is whenever I see someone, and I would recommend this to you, I try to think of something I can thank them for. And, and, you know, the more you do it, the easier it is. Sometimes it's thank you for holding the door. Other times it's thank you for doing something really great. Um, you know, thank you for supporting what we do here at the church. Thank you for the decorations. I mean, there's so many things to be thankful for. And it's just, it's just a great way to live, to be thankful. It brings peace in your life. But then there are some things that just, they're just so broken, we don't know what to do. Um, and they're beyond our, our normal reach. So globally, um, peace doesn't just happen, right? It's something you have to work at. And so I want to invite us to take action. And I'm so pleased to uh, tell you, I mean, this is, this is just a thrill for me, um, that today, uh, John Hurd and Greg Kiner of our church are placing our 25th water well. 
That's where you clap, yeah. 25th water well. Now, they don't do that alone. I mean, there are hundreds of people that have given to those wells and blessed those wells. Uh, there's a man by the name of Jaime Torres uh, that we work with closely and have put in like 23 of the 25 wells with him. Um, there are people in this room um, that started this about 10 years ago uh, in El Salvador. It's a beautiful thing. But friends, those water wells don't place themselves. Somebody has to say that I'm going to give up something today so that something greater can happen tomorrow in places like Guatemala. Where I think, in my mind, probably more than 100,000 people uh, have been affected because of our work in this little church. When you think about the thousands and thousands of people that lifetime wells uh, will bless and benefit. This time last year, uh, Reverend Brandon uh, was kind enough uh, to help me figure out how to get to uh, Tijuana for the home of migrant youth. Uh, there's Brandon uh, and Euro Gonzalez. Uh, this is a, a casa uh, at the border. It houses 24 uh, youth, 12 girls, 12 boys. Um, they come from all kinds of places. Uh, there was a young woman named Daisy that we met. Uh, she's 14. Um, she was being sexually abused by her grandfather. And um, there's no helping agencies where she lived to get her out of that situation. So what her parents did was they took everything that she needed, her own, they put it in a black trash bag and said, good luck. They paid a coyote about $1,300, maybe $1,800, to try to get her from Guatemala up to the border, uh, dodged four different deadly cartels that rule Mexico um, and are looking for young girls to traffic. And uh, somehow she made it to the YMCA Casa House. We don't show her picture because we don't know where she is and we wouldn't want to accidentally put her in harm's way. But she's a real person. We met her. We know her. And if somebody doesn't provide her a safe place to stay at night, she'll die. And that's just the way it is in our world in some places. And it's not okay. I mean, I don't care where you are politically, left, right, or whatever. God's kids aren't supposed to be raped and killed anywhere on the planet. So we've got work to do about that. And, and how that works, we just need to be a part of, part of that work. And I'm glad to let you know we are, both in terms of water wells and in, in terms of trying to keep young people safe. That's important work. We do that here locally, too, with Hope Center Regional Food Bank, the YMCA here. Um, you're doing that work. I want you to know that. If you, if you give to any of our offerings, um, you're helping that work happen. I want to say thank you. So I don't mean this to be depressing. This is important and great work. And the peace of Christ is here and around and ready to go. So here's our action steps, friends. We haven't talked about this, so this is new, um, but it's important in this season. First of all, I want you to rest when you're tired. Because most non-peace happens when we're cranky, right? People make bad decisions when we're tired. This is true for three-year-olds. It's true for 30-year-olds. It's true for me. Um, and here's the thing. Some people know when they're tired, and they've learned to listen to their bodies, and they rest. Others have not. So God says, for those of you who don't know how to listen to your body yet, you need to rest at least every seventh day. It's called Sabbath. And that'll at least help you learn how to start doing that. And that'll bring some peace in your life. Secondly, we've already covered this. Do not engage in every argument you're invited into. Why don't you start today? Right? What would, what would it be like if you had a non-argument-free day the rest of today? <gasps> some of you are like, I can't even imagine that. Right? You can start with online. Just don't engage online, then maybe you won't engage in person. Who knows? Right? And then really seriously forgive the person or the situation that keeps you from peace and as paul tells us set your mind on things above and you can leave the results you can leave this life to him 
He's watching. That's what the blessing's about. He's watching. You don't have to be concerned. He's watching. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. So, finally, I do want to invite you just, just real clearly to give to the mission offering to make a difference in the world. Um, around here, you know that this is Jesus' birthday, and I want you to seriously consider, um, what are you going to give to Jesus for his birthday? We'd really love it if you would give a dollar more to Jesus about things that he cares about than you do on your own family, because it's his birthday. Uh, things like feeding the hungry, giving uh, clothes to those who need it, shelter, those sorts of things. So we hope you'll do that. Uh, but I also want to just own this up front. Nobody does this perfectly. Uh, I don't. You won't. Um, and we've been at this a long time. As I was preparing for this uh, message, um, I, I read a lot of Frederick Buechner. I don't know if you all know who that is, but uh, he's one of my favorite authors. And he wrote about his uh, grandfather-in-law, which I thought was odd. Um, but his grandfather-in-law's name was uh, George Shin, And he was a pastor in 1880. And, um, you know, as I read the story, I thought, you know, pastoral ministry changes so much in just a few years. Um, you know, live stream and those sorts of things. I mean, my dad, who was in ministry, would never thought of anything about that. But in other ways, pastoral ministry stays the same. And in 1880, Pastor George Shen was summoned once at midnight to the bedside of an old woman who lived by herself and was dying without much in the way of either money or friends. And somehow she managed to convey that what she really wanted was some other woman or women to come stay with her uh, in the last hours of her life. So Pastor George Shen and the old woman's doctor, they had been there. They struck out in the darkness to try and dig up uh, a woman to sit with her in her last hours of life. It really sounds like a parable, the way it was told. Uh, they knocked at doors in the middle of the night, and they threw pebbles at second-story windows to try to get people to wake up uh, and come to the door. And, of course, one woman said, no way. Like, she couldn't come because she had children. Another said she simply wouldn't know what to do or how to act in a crisis like that. You know, it's what you would expect. Another was suspicious of two, women, uh, of two men prowling around at that hour of night asking for a woman to come out with them. Right? She wouldn't even talk to them. Uh, but finally, as the memoir of Dr. Shin puts it in the prose of another age, uh, this is his quote from 1880. They rapped at the humble door of an Irish woman, the mother of a brood of children. She put her head out the window. Who's there? She said. And what can you want at this time of night? They tell her the situation. Her warm Irish heart cannot resist. So they ask her, will you come? And she says, sure, I'll come and I'll do the best I can. And she did come. The account ends. She did the best she could. That's all Christ asks of us. That we do the best we can. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. With you. With us. Right here. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you hear us. And we do beg and beseech thee, Lord, that you would come. You would help us. Give us the courage and the grace and the power to forgive, to live at peace, to let go, to know that you're watching. 
and receive and bask in the glory that is your light and love around us and over your children. We pray for Greg and for John and for Jaime and for everyone working for your good around the world. We pray for Uriel and the kids. We pray that you would save your people again this day. And that you would put us again on our knees to pray the prayer that you've taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.